Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Autosport Podcast. Toyota World Rally Championship driver Yari Matti Latvala joins us to reveal the secrets of winning Rally GB. Welcome to another muddy and gravelly edition of the Autosport Podcast, which will look ahead to Rally GB on October the 27th to 29th. My name is Ed Straw, and far more important is my first guest, who's going to tell you all about how to win Rally GB and talk a little bit about his career. Yari Matti Latvala, winner of 17 World Championship rallies, including Rally GB in 2011 and 2012. Now, the driving challenge you faced today was getting from Heathrow to our Richmond office. So how was that? Was that a straightforward road stage or was it a little bit difficult? Uh, the, the start from the airport was actually was very clear and I had very good guidelines uh, um, from uh, from um, from David. Um, and uh, then coming to the, to the car park of Autosport, I missed the junction, so maybe... You know the speed coming to the first uh, first junction, proper junction, was too much. So I overshoot it, and I lost one minute because I had to go through the traffic lines, uh, traffic uh, lights. But uh, at the end, I made it, and uh, the weather was all the time very sunny and very nice, so I could enjoy the another additional minute uh, <laughs> in in the rental car. 
And the David you mentioned was David Evans, our rallies editor. Now, David, obviously, you've got a lot of familiarity with Rally GB from a very different position from watching stage side. Is that a really special event for you? It is absolutely, Ed, and, and it, it it always has been. Uh, right from yeah, obviously, it was the first World Championship event I ever went to, um, and yeah, it will always be a special one. It's it's for me, you know, the stuff like smelling the mud on the exhaust and and just all of these kind of visceral things it just it really means a lot to me absolutely well before we get on to rally gb uh yari matty obviously it's been an interesting 12 months for you i guess to set the scene for this season we should roll back to well it was officially announced early november i guess you had a little bit more of a heads up volkswagen out of the wrc so you're around looking for a drive how difficult was that Obviously, the decision to join up with Toyota and then the incredible start to the season with the victory second time out. So, pretty eventful. And I guess you've got to be pretty happy with the way things have gone. It's interesting. If we go back 12 months, this time of the year, 2016, uh, my season had been quite difficult. Going for the Spain and uh, thinking about Rally Spain and uh, try to get a good result, try to get the, the turning the boat uh, on a better ride, rec- uh, ride action. But then it just things started to get even worse. I mean, Spain, I did a mistake and uh, and I I didn't you know I retired on the first day because I hit the hit the arm and broke the front uh, front uh, right suspension. Then going to Rally GB got technical technical problems and uh, which were affecting for the for me to, to drop back on the results. Finally, finishing seventh. But I mean, we we got the manufacturer's title. Um, and we could be a little bit, a uh, little bit happy, but two days later, uh, I got the phone call, and uh, from Volkswagen, and they said, Yarimanti, we have the um, the news for you. Volkswagen is going to pull out from the World Rally Championship after the season. That moment, I thought 2018 uh, or 2017, but after 2016, and it hit hard. It really hit hard. I mean, I knew that you know. We have one more rally to go to Australia and I have nothing after that. Um, then you had to start reacting quickly. I mean, I remember we were in contact with Tommy Mackin and I knew that Toyota is coming, the new team is coming and there may be one more place uh, left and trying to push for that. Uh, I remember we were in contact with Tommy and he said, okay, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, we have to see if we're still things a little bit open. If I had known this situation two months earlier, it would be easier uh but then to australia wasn't great rally for me i was quite under the pressure this uh end of the last year feeling not not good uh but then i got in the beginning of the december i got the nice phone call from tommy he said okay i have spoken with japanese uh they accept you the, the for the team and now we can start testing and that moment you know my life start to start to go again in the in a bit towards the rally world and and for a moment i did you know i had one month i didn't know what i should do you know what is what is my carry should i stop rallying should i do finish championship what i should do but got that chance and we had a we have a great start with a new team new car in monte carlo with the uh, with second uh taking the second second position but i mean this time of the year 12 months ago I would never been dreaming to be in a, in a, this position that I'm in a fourth position in championship. We have been managed to be three times on the podium so far. I think as well, I mean, it's worth remembering that when there was that one place at Toyota available, it was a straight fight between you and your teammate Andreas Mikkelsen was, and it was quite a difficult period, wasn't it? For you know, everybody was 
saying one week it was Andreas, then mm. it was you, and it must have been really stressful. Yeah, it's a fair fair point, David. I mean, because Andreas had an excellent season, 2016, yeah. you know, winning the last round of exactly, the championship yeah. in Australia, and and I knew I was I was finishing sixth in the championship, and not not the great season, so. Uh, I knew that the the odds were not necessarily uh, towards me, but uh, I the only thing what I could say is I explained to Tommy that also I lost my uh, I lost my motivation at the end of the 2016 because I got some technical issues and uh, and that was affecting my I let my performance go down and then. Uh, Tommy kind of here he's a driver he he understood it and I think there was a bit of my uh stronger boat which was helping me because he could understand why my results were were bad and I I tried to explain him that I've been a lot of testing polo WRC and uh, I have a lot of uh information and I could try to try to help you as much as I can and uh then at the end uh, I was very very grateful that he he joined me but uh like I said the it would have been and on a paper i think andreas would have been looking better but i'm i'm not sure your for me your motivation didn't go down it's impossible to think of your motivation dipping for rallying but the one thing that it was very clear was that you were struggling psychologically with what Ogier was able to do with that car and i remember at the time you told me you were trying to follow his setup and that meant adjusting your driving style and you have a, almost a unique style of driving and trying to do that bought its own pressure and bought its own problems didn't it yeah after 2014 uh when we had a close close fight with Ozier, um uh which was you know i was finishing second then going to the 2050 i thought now i you know i, I want to win it and uh, we had a the car was and not outside but inside technically the car was a bit changing because we had an update on the car so new evolution 2015 and I started to, I couldn't get the get the right feeling with the car. I was struggling with it first in the beginning of the season. Then I started to get better, you know, but but again, Ozier was running away. He won the championship. I finished second. Going to 2016, I thought, you know, now it's it's the year. But I just, still, I wasn't confident enough with the car and, uh, and having a bad start from Monte Carlo uh, going off and, and we had a bit small incident with the spectator. Uh, and then Ozier was so strong that psychologically, I mean, it was pushing me uh, down and down because I knew I can't, I can't beat him. And uh, then sort of you, you, you gave up. I mean, I gave up the hopes when I knew after rally, Deutschland, uh, 2016, when I had gearbox problem, I knew I can't, I can't, I can't catch him anymore, and and I gave, kind of like gave up for the for the for the fight. I have to say, I can't ever remember seeing you as low as the end of that. I've known you a long time, and that the end of that year was really difficult to watch because everybody loves you because you know you're you're such a fan, and it was tough. But equally, I can't ever remember seeing you so high after Sweden when you won that event and as the year progressed you know because the car that nobody nobody gave that car a hope you know to, for, when you say about at the end of last year Toyota was your last chance you must have thought what the hell am I doing this is the car that everybody's laughed at all year because it didn't start testing till April yet yeah, look at it and I one thing I would like you to tell us about is what you did with that car in the two weeks before the homologation date yeah I mean going coming to the 
I mean, going to the Toyota, there's been a lot of lot of rumors, a lot of talking that uh, they are not going to be at the level, that the car is not going to be competitive. There's a lot of stories I could hear, but I, I, I get my mind. I mean, I want to see it. I want to feel it myself, what it is. And I I, I know Tommy, and Tommy is a, uh, there's a guy, he when he decides something, he he keeps for it. And, uh, and then... Uh, jumped on the car for the first time in Corsica uh, end of the 2016 it was actually in December and um, I drove it and I remember when Tommy Tommy called me and he said after the first run how do you feel can we make it a winning car I said my first feeling I said there's a lot of potential but we need to keep working because you could see that they had built a very reliable car which is the first first point very important point but then there was technically, I mean, uh, the, there was still things were not in the right place. Car was uh, moving too much. The car was not, uh, I mean, comfortable to drive because there was a lot of movement on the chassis. Throttle response was was not on the level that uh, what I what I was used to. I mean, there's a lot, quite a lot of delay and like a turbo lag feeling for you. I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, it, when I came from Volkswagen, I, I've been just testing maybe three, four, four weeks before that, still the 2017 Polo. And, and when Volkswagen won, so four manufacturers title, you don't do things wrong. So you, I have an ideas and uh, and I gave the ideas for the, for the engineers. And they basically, that moment, they, they got, when they got new, new things and new ideas and... Uh, they started the work immediately and the moves they made, it was amazing, you know, how quickly they they could start because first things what I said is we need to do more options for the front roll bars and they started to produce more front roll bars. Then there was still differential side, which we had to decide. Um, they were gear racers. We at Volkswagen, we have been testing different options and I had an idea in my mind what is the best one. And I, I told them that what could be the best one. And I, they kind of also uh, were, were going that right action. So basically the things what I could, what I could feel, which were working Volkswagen, I, I tried to, mm. I said to them, you know, these, these were working and no point to to do to, to do too much experiments because the the concept they had done the pace was great and and car had been very reliable but just the performance wise the things were not on the right balance yes but that two weeks must have been incredibly intensive to get all of that stuff done in that time uh yeah before the homologation uh i remember when tommy said that you know that the, the test plan is i think it i was two weeks in a row testing, I think 10 test days. We just keep oh testing God. and testing. And these were really valuable days. I mean, Juho Hanin had done a very good work before that, but those days we tried to we tried to bring everything together that we could then uh, do the homologation. And that they were the vital those days because then you have to, dis- uh, I mean, you decide which, which way you go. And if you do a wrong move, uh, I mean, it's going to affect you the whole next season. And, uh, but like I said, for sure, I mean, the engineers and the designers, they were the guys who, who, who did, who did the job. It was only to me. I could give, provide some more information. And, and, but it also, when I came from Ford, I went to Volkswagen also, I could provide some information for them. And I think they was also helping for the engineers. So always when you can get the driver from the other team, 
and and knowing the situation from the other car bringing that information so I'm, I'm sure now when Andreas Mikas is moving from when going from Citroen to Hyundai he can also bring some some information for the Hyundai boys perhaps the one question that everybody out there listening would want to know is how good was that polo how good was that car for for this year would that would it have become five championships in a row I think this is a question what what many people wants to know but uh, I mean the car the development of the car was stopped uh was it on december 2016 um we were testing on the in september was it end of the september early october in in finland and um now i went to the same road uh, before rally finland so let's say seven months later uh with the toyota and uh, uh we were faster than the polo uh but you know that when you stop developing, I think seven months is a long time, what you can do. And uh, this is also an example that, you know, if you had, for me, if you had the Volkswagen, even though you, you make a great car, but you try to make the whole season without any development, I mean, you could be great in the first two or three races, but after that you stop stop winning. True, but equally, your Yaris didn't change too much from the start of this season did it so i mean the the polo was nearing the exactly the specification that we would have seen it in monte carlo when you were testing in finland at the end of september or was there still a lot to come there was still thing, things to things to come i mean uh, it was not absolutely the final spec i was i was testing um so but it was close it wasn't it, it wasn't far away and um but when we started the monte i mean i i know that even though we haven't, you know, yeah, with the Toyota we haven't homologated necessarily so many parts, but have been the the work what we have put on it. It's been all the time working with the car, and and doing small small steps all the time, and uh, this is the the way that the the day when you stop working with the car and you think we we gonna win, then that is the day when you start losing. Yeah, absolutely. But I I remember. I'm, I'm sure you'll remember when you stepped out of the car in Australia on Sunday afternoon after that final. It was very emotional, kind of in control there. Uh, and you shut the door and somebody asked you a question and you said that Polo for next year is the best rally car I've ever driven in my life. So now the Yaris is even better. Yeah, at the time, I must, at the moment, I can tell you that uh, it's the best rally car I've ever driven, Yaris WSE. I mean, it suits my driving style. I think Tommy was there. Uh, testing the car, doing the the base the the base setups, and he has a tri- similar driving style than I do, and that's why it fits really well for my for for my way of driving. And I mean, for sure that car, the the previous car was also great, but uh, but I mean now I've been so much in the Yaris that uh, I never felt so comfortable in a rally car. I feel it. I feel it over there. I was just going to say that I don't think we've ever seen you look as comfortable in a car. You know, we've seen you in the Focus and in the Fiesta and and all of that. But this is almost a car for you, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I think it's also big thanks to Tommy because that's where because we have a similarities, and he he was the guy who has been first testing and then Yuho, and but interestingly, like you know, between all the drivers now we are in the team Yuho, uh, Esabeka, and me. Uh, we all had a very similar setups. There's very, very small ch- uh, 
um, changes with the with the setups, even though the driving styles are different. But the so I think the base car is is works really really well for the for the drivers. And I mean, okay, for sure, the 2017 regulations are also helping that uh, I'm on the zone with the rally cars where I love to be. Uh, I didn't 2006 uh, in the regulation before, uh, which were the the small, uh, less power and less aerodynamics. They were okay, but they were never my style. Yeah, no, absolutely. This, the more power and 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 everything, and the center diff, it it all works for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, for the for for my driving. It also seems to seems to work, and uh, because this reminds me, the first the focuses uh, when we were driving with the center diff, with with the more uh, when you had the aero and the cars were more powerful. This reminds me from the time and. Uh, why is uh, this regulation gives you more flexibility to play with the car? Because I believe when you had a less power, uh, less aero, you had to be so straight all the time. I mean, you did a one mistake, you you, you lose so much. You paid for it a big time, but now you know you do a small mistake. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't. You have the power to correct. You have the aero to to support. And it doesn't it doesn't cost you that much. David mentioned the expectations for this year weren't sky high, certainly not on the outside. And yet, sitting here now, you could argue you've been a little bit unfortunate not to be more in the title fight going into it. So to be in that position where you can say, well, maybe with a little bit less bad luck, you could be right in there. That that says just how big this season's been from a from a pretty low position at the end of the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, I think nobody, I think somebody, some some people even thought I can't come any, uh, back anymore to, for the for the fighting, uh, for the for the for the speed to fight for the victories. But I mean, you can see that how much the the self confidence that you know things can change when you get the self confidence back. And uh, I mean, the season for me has been probably the most consistent I have ever had. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we had at three rallies technical problems in a row which were then affecting that we are now over 50 points behind Ogier but without those like you mentioned uh, we could have been uh, right there to fight for the for the title but uh, um, this is part of the game motorsport is is part of the cars and if something fails you know that you have to accept it and I have done mistakes on my carry so I know it's uh, team bosses haven't been happy with that and now I have to accept that uh, the car is, is had that problems but the main thing is that you know that uh, for the future you know that when you have a car which is competitive that gives you positive but if you don't have a car which is competitive then it can be depressing but i think it's more than that it's because you had a competitive car in the polo but it's a competitive car that you can drive for that last tenth isn't it that's a very interesting comment because yes uh when you are together with a car you can got you can put a little bit more extra on it, uh, but if you are not together with the car and you try to you know you try to go for the victory and you give a bit more risks, then normally the mistakes happen, and then you know you, when you feel just more comfortable, then that's where you can you can make more, you can make your results even even better. But there were there were times you know I mean I, I remember Finland and Poland when you were right at the front and 
there was no feeling in the press office that uh, Yari Matthews leading, what's going to happen next. It, you know, that's gone now. It's very much that you're in control and you talk to you after the stages and you look in control. And then, you know, and we saw when, when, when you had the problem in Finland, just how much it hurt you because that another home win was right there for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I think there have been years and moments when uh, in the press office people have been seeing that, oh, Latvala is leading, <laughs> but for how long? <laughs> and maybe a couple of stages later, oh, now he's out. <laughs> so maybe the I have started to get a bit more mature and, and also changed a bit my approach and, and that has also helped uh, together with the, when you're confident with a car. And, I mean, in especially like in Finland, I feel I was... The control was there. I mean, I was I was feeling confident, and I knew that this speed is is enough to to take the victory. And because the Friday had been difficult day for me when in Finland when I was uh, after Ogier went off, uh, I was second car on the road, and still there was quite a some road cleaning happening. And I tried to fight, but Esabek had a fantastic day, and I I couldn't keep the the speed with him. But then on Saturday when we were more closer to to same positions. Then I started. I knew I can. I can start pushing. And I remember going to the only boy where I had a problem before stage. Before that was a short Salahti four kilometer. I had a perfect run, and I remember when Esabek said, "I'm really, really angry because I had a good run, and still I lost." I said, "I said Esabek, I mean, hey, you can be happy. This doesn't happen so often, but I had a perfect stage, absolutely perfect stage, and your mood is in when you are in a, in the best like a flow situation." Then your car breaks down. That's why I was so emotional. I got so angry because it hurt me so much. It feels when the car's working, you can walk on water. You can do whatever you want with that car. Exactly. These are the days. You know, you are you are in the flow situation, and uh, but I'm not the only driver facing that. It's been some other other pro- uh, drivers also facing the technical uh, problems while they've been uh, leading. Well, let's look ahead a little bit to Rally GB. It's a rally you've had plenty of success on. You've contested it 15 times, just as many times as you've done Rally Finland. So you must be quite at home there. Is it? Is it a special rally for a non-British driver? Obviously for us, it's an important rally. How do you see it? Is it one you look forward to? What characterises it for you? Yeah, I I really like the event. I like the Rally GB, uh, Wales Rally GB. Um it was my first World Rally Champion Rally when I was 17 years old. So that's why I feel it almost my second home event. Because, you know, starting, okay, I'm, I'm finished, but I did a lot more rallies here in uh, in uh, British Islands before I actually did any rally in Finland. So I did... Well, your first rally was here, wasn't it? Yes, first it, rally. Uh, I've got the note here that David has provided with me. I can't claim to remember <laughs> this. But 2002 BTRDA, Dukeries Rally. Actually, that was the second. First, sorry, first Ed. one was oh, uh, Scottish, <laughs> Scottish Rally, National Scottish Rally. Really? Uh, yeah. Scotland doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on England side, Dukeries was the, was the first one. So, and I did one year, you know, rallies over here before I really went went to Finland, and that's why. And I like to, I like the forest stages over here. They are flowing fast. Of course, they at the at the this time of the year, uh, when the rally is can be sleepy, muddy, but that's the characteristics of the rally. I mean, it's part of the part of that rally. I mean, every rally. Uh, the thing is, it's good that every rally is a bit different, and these are characteristics in uh, in in a rally GB. Uh, when Finland characteristic is the jumps, 
Monte Carlo is the slippy conditions, you know, snow and ice and on tarmac. But if every rally is the same, then it would be a little bit boring, I think. So what's the secret of winning it, as you've done twice? In GB, you have to be confident, like in Finland. I mean, when it's slippy uh, and muddy, uh, you know, you might have a little moment uh, uh, easily. And then you get scared and, and then you just start breaking earlier and earlier. And then it's, I mean, you, you, you can't never win the rally. Uh, you have to stay so confident all the time, uh, even though the conditions are changing. And also, I, I would point out the recce. The recce is very important, probably more, more important than some other rally, because here you have to look the forest, the places where the mud is, because there's different sections, especially the locking areas. Where you have the uh, the timbers being on the side of the road, baby, working with the machines, and then normally always bring stuff from the from the woods to to the road, and it gets this really like um, uh, black mud, and uh, together with the basically the the stuff from the woods, and these you have to be very pay pay always attention. Then there are areas where you have more gravel, and when you're more under the trees. Uh, you have to be always more careful. Then they, the under the tree section can get very greasy. Uh, when when there are a bit open areas and when it's gravelly, you know the grip can be actually very nice. So that's why these are the elements you have to be able to adapt to changing uh, grip levels in in rally GB. But how do you judge those grip levels? Obviously from feel, but can you in advance? Can you see? different colours of mud, that kind of thing. Are there are there visual cues you can take? First first of all, in Reggae, what I mentioned, you have to point out the places in the Reggae. But then the second thing is the visual, that when it do, looks darker, you have when it looks always darker, you have to break a bit earlier to try to get the feeling for it. But it also changes between the runs as well, doesn't it? Somewhere like Dovey, maybe, it might polish a little bit. And you would expect perhaps to get more grip on a second, but in places you get less grip. Yes, this is this is what really happens. I mean, I remember some years ago in in um, in Havren, we did the first run. Actually, the grip was good. Going to the second second time through the state, I mean, incredible the understeer you and so so polished that you couldn't get the 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 grip anywhere. Also, the Duffy is the same. On the second second time, it can be get so polished. It's hard surface; it doesn't break up, but it just gets shinier and shinier on the top. And I mean, there are also some some pretty innocuous stages in there. There's, I mean, Sweet Lamb is part of Hafrum Forest, but it's such a short stage; nobody would crash in Sweet Lamb, would they, Yari Matty? <laughs> That's the thing. When it's a short state, an easy state, so nobody, nobody has a problems over there, and that's where, you, where when you will be caught out. That's why I also crashed because it was an easy date and easy states and shouldn't be any problem. It was an unbelievable thing, though, wasn't it? It just literally toppled into the ditch and it wouldn't come out. <laughs> yeah, it was the probably the most embarrassing uh, mistake on my career I have ever done. You know, I had just changed the new tire to the front right, and I didn't. I mean, it was only 500 meters before the before the start of the special stage. I didn't warm it up. It was cold. Coming to the first breaking didn't feel really good. Uh, coming to the second breaking, I I thought, okay, uh, maybe now it should be better. And but I, it wasn't. I locked the brakes. I stole the engine. I went straight to the ditch, and it was full of water. I mean, no damage on the car, but it full of water. I couldn't get it out. What about? In terms of setup, what what do you look for from the car? Because you need you need the traction, so you need the car to be quite soft. But equally, there are some places where it's quite high speed, and you want some precision. What what is that? Tell us a bit about that trade off. 
I mean, Finland, uh, if you run a very hard setup, hard roll bars, hard springs, because you need the support for the fast places and for the for the jumps. But then in GB, yeah, it's fast. You want the support. But on the other hand, when it's slippy, you have to be soft that you get the traction and you get the braking grip. So this is where you, where in the test, you have to focus and, and find the combination and the... Uh, uh, that you have the support from the let's say from the roll bars, but then with the springs you come quite soft to try to give some movement for the for the chassis to tell you the grip level what it is and also to help for the traction. It's also I think the the event itself has changed a little bit. Certainly we've come further north in Wales and the roads have changed a bit, but they've also put uh, kind of banks on a lot of the inside of corners to keep you outside. I remember Robert Reed telling me that Richard Burns always said that the road was just a means from going from ditch to ditch. And I'm sure there would have been years where you would remember that was the way to drive, wasn't it? Yeah, in 2008, uh, this rally was, uh, Rally Chibi was actually on December, so late on the year, and it was icy and even a bit of snow on the stages, and they were so uh, sleepy that the best to get the grip was from the ditch. So you had to go to ditch to ditch because there normally was the grip. And, and this was a completely different way of uh, of driving and, and, and finding the grip. It was amazing. but that's And, and sometimes this also, depending on the, the condition, this is what you have to you have to search in, in, in Rally GB. That you have to really go out from the road to get the grip. Yeah, I guess, I mean, some of that changed when we lost the moose tires. Because in those days, you know, the driver could put the car anywhere and there would be no puncture. But now you have to really think about uh, the punctures as well, don't you? Yeah, that's right. And the moose was uh, was protecting the tire. I mean, uh, what means inside the tire you had air, but then you had a moose, which once the tire lost the air, the moose was there protecting and, and keeping inside. Even though you had a couple of hard impacts, normally it was so strong to 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 keep keep the tire on one piece but these days we have uh we have only the air you are not allowed to use anything inside the tire once you have a big impact and you lose the air i mean then uh, that you have to drive with uh, with the flat tire and normally you know these michelin tires they are very good because you can run about 10 kilometers uh, fast with it. But after that, it can, you know, when you have a lot of speed and you have a long section, the, the tires will uh, relaminate and then, you know, they can damage the car because they are strong on the sidewall, can break some uh, oil pipes or something like this. And you can't afford taking those big risks on the on the ditches to hit hit things anymore. Yeah. And what about the, the conditions? I mean, you mentioned the snow and the ice there. We're probably less likely to see snow and ice running in uh, in late October, but we'll certainly, I'm sure, we'll see some rain uh, and potentially some fog. You know, when you get to Aberhearn and you get a bit higher, do you enjoy those, those really testing conditions? The funny thing is in Rally GB is that what I what I what I hope for is that it's either let's say you know not raining condition it can be cold but not raining or then I hope for the heavy rain while we are driving because why I want the rain is the rain is actually cleaning away the mud and and just keeping it the, the gravel there and actually the best grip is the when the heavy rain hits and if there is no uh, standing water but the worst is. Overnight, heavy rain, you start cold morning and the road is completely wet and then sun is shining and it's try to try to get um, drier 
and then it's normally the greasiest and the worst and the slippiest what you can have um, but every year i mean rally gb you have to prepare there will be rain every year we have seen rain there are a couple of years when it was pretty dry condition back in 05 and and 04 uh, partly but these were on september now we are on uh, on october and last year the the road looked very dry before the event but then the rain came so you have to be for rally gp you you can't go there and think ah, this year is going to be good you have to prepare for everything and what about obviously we've got nighttime stages coming back on saturday evening quite a long day on saturday uh, is that good is that a part of the challenge that, that you enjoy driving in the dark yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of comments about driving in the uh, in the dark, uh, especially in the dry, hot rallies, because there's a lot of dust and it doesn't fit so well on those events. It fits well on tarmac. Even actually, you could do it in Finland, but here in GB is no problem with the dust or anything. So actually, it's uh, it's fascinating to have the night stages. I I, I like it. There's uh, there's a different spirit driving in the darkness and. Uh, Sometimes it can be very, very dark there in the, in the deep in the forest. Uh, yeah. And um, but it's it's nice. That's just just a Saturday. It's a very long day in the rally GP, so um, you have to keep your energy levels up and and still in the darkness to be to to be alert. But it is. I mean, it's quite lively when you're when you're going full sideways looking out of the side window, and of course the headlights are pointing straight, and you have no vision on where you're going, do you? That's true. I mean, and especially, I remember there's been situation that you know, you if you almost spin or you spin there in uh, in the darkness. I mean, you get the feeling where, where did I come from? Uh, because it's you know you have the lights pointing straight out, but uh, if you are in 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 a bad position and you don't you don't actually, it's so dark that you try to look from the side window, you don't see anything. You don't know where you have to just feel where you were coming from. And the other problem, the side windows are useless because they're completely covered in mud anyway, aren't they? Normally, yes, actually, so you can't get help, so much help from them. Obviously, you're a, a rally enthusiast, a rally history enthusiast, so you must enjoy the challenge of driving at night. Obviously, Rally GB we associate with being historically this epic around the whole country. Do you miss the fact that you came too late for that? Would you like it to be quite as over-the-top as it was? Yeah, I've been actually fascinating. Uh, if I think about, for instance... Uh, rally GP back in 1985 five days of rallying uh, I think there was 960 kilometers of special stages 3000 kilometers uh, of road section 65 different special stages in Kilda in Wales in um, uh, in in a, in a spectator area like in Birmingham and you went to the Cumbria, you went to this, uh, how you call the stages, which, which are um, over there. Um, what the, is the Lake for, District, Grisdale. Yeah, Grisdale yeah. Forest. And uh, and you went to, you actually went to Scotland, to AE Forest and uh, and and Weakless and what was the name, Glendrill or something like this, on this area. I mean, you went all over the places. It would have been, it, I think those days it was really an adventure. And, you know, you were facing so many things. Uh, it would have been fantastic to be living this part of the rallying. Okay, the time, the periods were different. You know, you had a service after every stage. You have the service vans, the chase cars, they're waiting for you. I think it was quite exciting for the people and uh, for the mechanics. Um, I would really have wanted to have experienced that. But 
in the modern world, rally championship, it wouldn't work anymore. I mean, we have so many people, spectators. It would be too dangerous to go with the service cars uh, between the stages. These rally cars are so nowadays so reliable that you don't really see, even though the longer you drive, you don't really, you don't get problems because you drive just longer because they really, if you had a problem, then you have a, it's just, uh, then it happens. Uh, but it, everything is so much more more calculated than back in the 80s or 90s. Uh, but that's why I I... I do historic rallying myself to get a little bit of taste these uh, these their old days what they used to be. But you mentioned the eighty five RAC there. Of course, that brings us neatly onto uh, who won that event, Yuri Matti. Yeah, it was Hendry Toivon, uh, and he actually gained the victory only in the very last night when they were driving against Mark Wallen. Mark went bit off and got stuck and. Uh, he needed the help from Juha Kankkunen uh, to lift the car back to the road. Yeah, but I think you'd, you'd find actually they were still going to be beaten by Tony Pond in a 6R4. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony, Tony Pond finished third at that year. He did a great uh, great, uh, great rally with uh, with the Metro. And uh, But, I mean, if you imagine that year, uh, how many different car manufacturers you had uh, in uh, Rally GB. And this is what we have wanted to see in a world rally championship and now we are step by step getting back to that that we have many different car manufacturers which is really good for the sport can can you remember a, a championship so exciting as this it's i mean it's been amazing hasn't it or it is amazing yeah uh, during my career it's never been this exciting we have had six different winners uh i mean you go to the event and you know you don't know who is going to win the event it's it's never happened on my time it was in the 90s when there was calling tommy carlos uh, Richard, uh, Richard Burns, and uh, they, they, they were, you know, going to the event, and you could never know who is going to win it. Uh, but on my time, it was the Lope first, and then it was yeah. the Osier. <laughs> and um, but I, I must say, it's it's really nice that the cars are quite equal and the drivers are on the, on, on the level that you know you really fight for for the victory. And next year, is it going to be the Latvia year? Yeah, I'm getting older. I'm I'm now my co-driver is Mick Antila is the the most experienced co-driver in the championship uh, and championship history. Yes. And I'm on the third level as a driver and I've been, you know, achieving quite a lot and, and great uh, results in the championship, but yeah, I really want to go for the for the title for sure that is to my dream and and I really want to work for it. When you look at that that list of of the drivers with the most experience, I think Carlos is first and who is second? Is it Petter? Petter, yeah, exactly. Can you believe that you're there? I mean, I don't feel I have been so long time in the champion. It feels, it feels strange that I'm 32 years old and uh, how I can have so many rallies. Because Carlos, I think he was like 44, for, yeah. almost 45 when he did his last World Rally Championship rally, and he felt he had, he was there ages. So how I can be so close? But now comes the little point that. In the 80s, in the 90s, the number of rallies were less. They did less rallies, especially in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, I think there was like years, like even what I remember, 96, was it only only eight or nine yeah, events? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there were not many at all. But it's still a very impressive achievement, though, too. And, I mean, you've got potentially another 10 years in the sport, if you want. If you look, you know, historically, ours is not 
a, a sport for young guys, is it? Okay, it is. We look at Rob and Pear and these guys coming through. But experience counts for so much in rallying still. It's not all about the speed, is it? I spoke about uh, uh, my manager and uh, about this, uh, that, you know, when I was young and I mean, coming to the championship and winning when I was 22 years old, you know, winning the first World Rally Championship. And, it, you know, it looks like, okay, it's easy now, you know, you can go for the title and you will. Now I'm 32 years old. And then years later, I mean, I haven't been able to win the title. It just, you know, winning a rally can be still not easy, but it's possible when you're young. But the winning the championship, you 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 really need experience in this sport. I mean, it doesn't happen. A, it just, it, this is the sport where the experience is counting a lot. I think in Formula One, you know, you can get to the top easier than in, in, in rally sport. Uh, because so the same stage is only driven twice per year and only you can wreck it twice so you know now when you know the stages we've been driving these same stages over the years you start to know you know the speed what you approach and you know the breaking points and and this this just helps and it only comes with experience this is exactly what Kibitza said when he was in the middle of it, he said, you know, he'd crash on a rally. And then he'd think, okay, now what do we do? And he said, you have to wait 12 months to go back in there. He said, if you crash in a Formula One car, you can go, okay, maybe not in Formula One, but in a lower level racing, you go back to the circuit and have another go, drive that corner again until you get it right. But this is the trouble. It is so much about the experience. But do you feel, or for me, absolutely, looking at your career, is this the the best time that you've had to win a championship when you were at Ford you had Marcus there mentoring a little bit but then Mikko there was a big emphasis on Mikko to win and then of course the VW we've covered that already but now it's Toyota seems to be your team and this feels to me like it's your time as well yeah I there's I mean when I was at Ford I mean that time I was I was a young boy and 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 it was Sort of, Miko was the was the number one driver. I was number two, so they there was a time that waited for Miko to to win the championship, and then I got the, when I I think it was two thousand twelve. Then I really got the, my first uh, sh- uh, chance over there, but uh, I screw up with my mistakes. Then we we had the VW time already, but now it just yeah it feels you start to start to get the, all the little pieces together, and now it's now it would be the chance for myself and. Uh, but we need the championship. Just it is the fact that all the things needs to just fit together before you can really win it. And um, and this year, I mean, the consistency has been my weakness. This year, I feel I have started to able to improve it, and this is the way to to look forward. We talk about how long you've been around for, the amount of rallies you've done, almost as if it, it's almost easy just to have that longevity but when you think about you've had some great moments in your career but you've also had some very very tough moments and a lot of drivers probably wouldn't have been able to come back from that you know 2009 Poland things like that really really hard moments so how how do you come back from that sort of thing Cause it, there were lots of times where people were thinking oh he's never going to get it but you've managed to have this incredibly long career in in often very difficult circumstances First of all, I have to say thank, uh, big thanks or be thankful for Malcolm Wilson because he had to stand for a lot of my my mistakes <laughs> and he was giving me the the new chances. So. I, I have to say, I think you should thank Elaine Wilson. Yeah, well, Elaine. I think <laughs> Elaine is the number one, indeed. <laughs> Elaine is there. She, she was <laughs> giving all the support for me. Even uh, I think Malcolm was. Uh, 
I was making his his uh, his life pretty hard sometimes. I can tell you, like the Poland '09, you know, I, I, I that I remember. Then then you, I felt. I I mean, I want to stop the rallying. I mean, this is not nice. I don't want to do this anymore. It uh, the mistake what I did over there hit me so hard. Uh, but after two three weeks, you know, when you time to the rest and have a bit of holiday you know the feeling was like yeah the rallying is the thing what i want to do that is my passion that is my dream and it's my hobby what i managed to turn for the profession i want to do it and uh, then it's it just that you have to always find the spark the motivation you know that's where you make the difference to come back david can you just fill us in on the story of poland 09 i think we should make yari Matti sit through it again well <laughs> it's very harsh but it, it uh you Loeb had retired early. He'd damaged a suspension somewhere. Uh, and Ford were running 1-2 with Miko first and Yerry Matti second. And it, the Super Special in Poland is right next to the service park, as it still is. Uh, so all of the team... I'm really sorry about this, Yerry Matti. All of the team had come down to watch, including Malcolm and Elaine and, and Christian Lorio, And they all had the champagne ready to spray on this incredible 1-2 result. Uh, and coming through, I can't remember what kind of corner it was. It was, t- it was quite a sharp corner. Uh, and Yari Matti was just too close and, and broke the suspension or steering. And that was it. And it I, genuinely, it was a heartbreaker because it was in front of everybody. Uh, and poor Yari Matti and Mika tried to push the car over the line. And I've never seen a driver as absolutely distraught. I remember Sordo came and, and picked you up and put his arms around you. And Danny Sordo is the loveliest guy. Um, and honestly, I think pretty much everybody was in tears. Um, but I, I do. Malcolm wasn't in tears. <laughs> Malcolm looked pretty angry at the time. Um, but you know, he still had to pick himself up because they'd still won the rally, uh, of course. But it was just a one, not a one-two. But it, it was a, it was a difficult one. It was. There was so much at stake at the time because we were still fighting for the manufacturer's championship. Without my mistake, we would had had chances to 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 keep the fight with Citroen. And then also it affected for Mikko's chances for the driver's title because Lope had had the, the problem, as David mentioned, that he hit some uh, he hit on the th- third special stage and and uh, destroyed the suspension. But then Citroen was playing a tactical tactical role at the end of the end of the rally that all the all the customer cars suddenly started to face problems and retired <laughs> from the event. So uh, Loeb was lifting up in the result and he actually scored a couple of points. And uh, this was making it a bit more difficult for Mikko for the, for the, for the driver's championship. Uh, and he lost it. Okay, he lost it at the end of the year. I think he lost it with one or two points. One. With one <laughs> point. So it's it's this. But also that year... Uh, I must say, okay, it was. I partly feel very sorry for Mikko, but then also there was a water pump which broke in Argentina for Mikko's car. So without breaking the water pump problem, you know, he could have been the champion. But if I could just jump in next, I've got one question I'd like to ask. We know the psychological effects of Poland. How was that harder or easier to bounce back from that enormous shunt in Portugal where he rolled down a mountain? that must have been the most terrifying accident but which was the harder to come back from the portugal accident i mean you know we i didn't broke a bone or anything no no injuries so i two days after i had a castrol drive day and i was back in the car it was easy to get the feeling back if i had injured myself and been away for four months let's say 
then it would be difficult. But in this case, no no injury. Go back there. Uh, I I would say psychologically and mentally the the Poland was was harder than the the Portugal accident. We saw when we came back there. It I mean it took you a while, didn't it, just to be in that stage again? Yeah, I remember the newspapers in Finland. You know, there was a, one of the this um one of the biggest tabloid magazines, and I remember on the sports pages it said, "Jari Matti Latvala, he let down everybody." And I remember it was big. It was a just just this text and my my picture when I when I'm head down, and it really hit me hard. I mean, it felt really really bad at that time. But I think we should we should give Yari Matti the right to reply now and talk and talk more about Finland in in fourteen I think it was which for me was one of your best ever drives you know very few people beat Sebastian Ogier even in Finland but you effectively you beat him twice yeah Finland has been always the event it's my home event I feel really comfortable in the fast flowing rally roads like normally here in in GB also I feel very very comfortable the last couple of years been a bit tough for me hasn't been actually going the way I, I wanted but uh, uh, but in Finland uh, in all 14 I we had a fantastic test the car was I mean really confident with the car going for the event and it started well we were up to the midday of Saturday we were 30 seconds in the lead and I always remember when OCS said Yarimati uh, so you try to embarrass all of us you know you just tried to make all the time stage wins and but then things changed uh on the yuko yarvi stage there was a uh, second time through the stage there was a massive hole in um in the one breaking going to the very fast right hand corner and uh, i hit the hole and unfortunately the the brake uh cable to the front right caliber uh was smashed and we lost that uh fluid from the front brakes we finished the stage with the rear brakes and I knew that we had three more stages to go and I was furious, frustrated because I knew I can't keep 30 seconds lead anymore because I think already that when I end of the stage I think I had lost maybe 6-7 seconds it, it went down a bit more than 20 and I knew I can't keep it up because we have three more stages to go and we had a big um, we had a phone calls with my mentor, with my mental coach Christopher Treyer at the time with my engineer, uh, rally engineer, uh, at the Volkswagen, and and we were discussing, and you know they tried to bring me back, and um, I remember when uh, my rally engineer said, Fabri said to me that, Yarimati, I know a guy who was in a similar situation, and he actually managed to win the race, you know, when he when he had a similar problem. And okay, I got a bit more spark, and I thought, okay, okay, we can do it. We 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 are working with the car. We tried to get, we got the front left caliper pleated. We got the air out. We got three calipers. We went three stages, and when I did first of them, these three, I could see that we didn't lose that much what I was expecting. So then I started to calculate. I calculated the kilometers what we have to do. That I should we should be staying in the front. We should be staying in the front. We stayed about two and a half seconds in front of Osi after the end of the day. And I said, I remember when I was so confident at the end of the day, I said, I'm going to win this event. I, I didn't come here to lose it. And we went to the final day. It was a big fight with Osi. 
but the the difference stayed the same about two and a, two and a half seconds and i won the event at the end of the event i asked my engineer who was the driver who you mentioned that won the race who was facing the same problem similar problem he said it was you <laughs> perfect story <laughs> but it's i you know for me when we i was at the end of that yukiavi stage and to see you there it was so difficult to gain and then but then the atmosphere when you came to the end of the day it was unbelievable to see that what you'd achieved in those few stages and so you all went into service but then as we all went to carry on working and and write stories for that night the general feeling was ah, ogier will do it tomorrow you know two and a half seconds he will do it and for me that was one of the days of your career to show him to just to put that time back uh and it was it was fantastic it was an, a brilliant drive but i remember on the road section you know we trying to work with the car think there was like six seven cars following us all the time there were actually people who tried to support and then they were really excited you know what can we do and can we keep it keep it up and 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 what and they really were supporting us and i remember the the, the feeling at the end of the year with the finnish spectators at the end of saturday afternoon they felt they felt really confident and yeah. and then at the end of the event when i wanted i i think i never got so many um let's say so many people coming to say to me great saying great drive and, and congratulations i think i got it all, all next week i got these uh, comments everywhere it's it's incredible though, because you know a home win means a lot everywhere you know chris meek winning at gb would be massive or elvin of course but in finland it's even more special and I remember so many years listening to Le Marseille or the French national anthem over Evascula and it just, the whole atmosphere was different. It just didn't feel right at all. And then suddenly to hear your national anthem, it was like Finland was back. There was so many years in a row, like um, 11, 12, 13, three years in a row, there had been a French trial winning the, the event. And then it started to finish spectators started a little bit loose to the yes. feeling you know i think he's not gonna win this event anymore and and then i when the fight was was on with ozier i mean the amount of people for the final day there was a massive amount of people spectating the the event and then people like just it started to come more and more yeah to follow the event was and and since that i felt we we got the people back uh and spectators been a really nice i mean finland is probably the biggest number of spectators of all the events but there were years when like i would say 12 to uh 11 12 and 13 which were the low numbers compared to now after that mm. do you ever i remember reading uh and talking to hanu mikkeler about this actually and when he drove i think it was 85 the oinapoya stage and he said it was the first and only time in his career he had the feeling he was outside of himself driving almost like he'd heard from fighter pilots talking about almost as though somebody else was doing what he was doing and he was looking on do you ever get that kind of feeling or do you ever get scared in finland because the speed is so high and the cars fly so far I must say this own boy stage when you do this own boy and you come you come to the end of the stage you have probably adrenaline more than anywhere else and uh it takes you a bit of time to really cool down uh you have so much tension in your body at the same time it's nice but you also know that one wrong one wrong movement 
and it pays you hard time. And the speeds are so high that it can be a big accident if you made a mistake. So you are sort of like relaxed and tense at the same time when you do the state. And that's how you have the most, the biggest adrenaline over the year almost on that stage. Yeah. What was it like this year? I mean, there was so much hype, so much buildup with these new cars. But I remember you saying that, you know, we may not fly as far because we've got more aero, but just the speed was, and the grip in there was, was I'd never seen anything like it. I must sum off the corners. I, you you know that in the past you have been driving fast and, and flat out, but I mean, now you, you go to the places, you, you, you carry so much speed. It just feels a bit, in a way, a bit scary that, can it stay on the ground? You have the confidence for the car, but you still start to doubt yourself <laughs> yeah. about it. And uh, yeah. uh, but it, it felt ama- really amazing. I mean, I really afterwards I can say that I I really enjoyed it. And uh, the second time through the Oniboya, when I had a problem, I mean, it was it was going really well and really really great feeling. When you're driving a a contemporary car compared to the story one, obviously you've won. You've won historic rallies on Audi Quattro, haven't you? So iconic, iconic car. Is there a different feeling, or do they do they feel like the same kind of cars? They feel connected in any way, or is it a completely different experience? It is very different experience. I mean, now for instance, the Audi Quattro, you jump in the Quattro, you have to use clutch when uh, changing up and down. When these days we have the uh, battle shift, you know, you don't need to, you need only the clutch for the start into the event or and, and to the stage, and then for the road sections. Um, the steerings are quicker than uh, than those days. The suspension are, are developed so much more. But the sound inside the Quattro, I mean, you hear the turbo. That you don't hear anymore <laughs> in the modern cars. The sound is amazing in the old cars. I mean, yeah. that which really gives you goosebumps on, the, on your body because the sound makes it so unique. And for sure, you have speed. You have a lot of speed, but... The driving is different because you have you know that you can't push to so much to the limit like you can do the modern rally cars. And the response as well. I mean, in the Audi, it must be terrible while you're waiting for that noise. And Yeah, it's like you do the left foot braking and you have to bump a bit the throttle all the time to keep the turbo spinning. As well. You know that on the junction you have to wait before the turbo wakes. But when it wakes, you know, you have a like a um, hammer strike on your back <laughs> when the power comes <laughs> one one thing it is perhaps worth talking about now is your is your collection of cars and your new museum that i think you're just opening yeah i've been i started with uh with my rally museum jm rally park Ferme. park Ferme we use in rally language where is overnight all the cars are parked yeah it's a closed area where nobody has the access so it's just that you can't do any modification or any changes for the setup or or do any illegal stuff. So this my I I park my cars to to park for me, and I have done bigger bigger facilities and it's in the west of Finland, 150 kilometers from Jyväskylä to the west. Um, at the moment we have 12 cars totally and two more cars are coming. The very recent cars what I have uh, what we have built is the um, Celica ST 165 Group A car. Uh, the history is uh, it's a bit mixed, but the car has originally been... It's an old TTE, F- X-Factory car, 
been used by Matt Junson in nineteen in the early nineteen ninety, and maybe Carlos Sainz, but the body shell has been changed some point, so it's not I can't say anymore that the exact Sainz car. But I have built that for historic rally. Then I have also Celica ST two hundred five, um, Group A car. We have a, I have a Corolla WRC ninety nine, that's ex Carlos Rally Finland. The Celica two hundred five is from Cancun in ninety six. Uh, Rally Sweden. Then there is the Audi Quattro Group B replica, uh, long wheelbase Quattro, Group 4 Audi Quattro, long wheelbase, Audi Ur Quattro road car, Volkswagen Golf, GDI road car, Corolla AE86, the rear wheel drive car which I used for to start my carry, uh, Ford Escort BDA, uh, then uh, we have a Mitsubishi Lanza Evo 3 Group A 96. Uh, now, in a couple of weeks' time, it will be ready the Mitsubishi Lanza WRC Step 2. It will be completely rebuilt. And uh, then I will get Audi Coupe Quattro, Group A car. That's that's coming, but it will be next year. And one day, I hope I still have the Celica SD185 Group A car and Yaris World Rally car. Wow, that's some collection. And an incredible memory as well. I'm sure you live with these cars. But one question, though, you're the... the Tell us a bit about the turbo on the ST205. Is that uh, is that the special one? I I have a no. <laughs> actually, this the history of this car is actually it was in '95 used by Armin Schwarz in uh, Australia, and then this car was supposed to go for Didier Oriol RAC Rally 1995, so Rally GB 1995, but that rally never came for the car because there was a turbo uh, Toyota got caught by the turbo uh, making a bigger turbo in uh, in 95 catalonia um that's that i think that what they invented to make car fast it's something was one of the i mean a great it's engineer jobs yes. what what is done uh, of course it was illegal and yeah. uh, but it was incredibly clever though yeah. wasn't it it, it was really a, was it was it was very difficult for the fia technical people to spot it out and it took because I think I heard it was it it already started. They started to to feel there is something going on earlier on, but they just couldn't find it. There was a couple of rallies going because they were searching and searching, but they couldn't find yeah. it. I think when the they when when they I can't remember who, but Oriol or somebody when they went off the line in Langley Park in Australia. Langley Park is a super special, and you go head to head down to the first corner, which was a le- I can't remember what kind of corner, but it's a drag race down. And these Group A cars because the restrictors were so close and the Toyota went off the line like a rocket and it had got by the time they got to the first corner it had got a good couple of car lengths and just from standing looking at it it didn't make sense yeah exactly I have also heard this story and uh, that it was I, I think it was starting with uh, I think was it maybe Francois Delecourt with the Ford starting uh, same time with the ST205 and uh, that's where it all, all started but on my car I have um, I have a normal turbo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I have to say, it's great to be able to hear a current rally driver being able to talk with so much knowledge and passion about the past as well. There's not that many people in, in motorsport competing who've got such a such an awareness and ability to appreciate history and make history themselves, I guess we could, we could say. And we could keep talking to you about this stuff for hours, but uh, we wouldn't like to put you behind with the traffic and uh, cost you those extra minutes that uh, you might need to 
He's probably quite good jumps. in traffic, in fairness, I'd imagine. Well, I don't know. Rally drivers aren't great in traffic. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, Yerry Matty Lavola, thanks very much for joining us. And Thank good you. Luck for, good luck for Rally GB. Thank you very much, and it was nice to join you. Well, we hope you've enjoyed hearing from Yerry Matty Latvala, a great driver and a great enthusiast as well. If you'd like to follow all our rallying coverage on autosport.com, our Autosport Plus subscriber section has got all sorts of in-depth interviews, features, articles, opinions, both on rallying and the wider motorsport world, Formula One and everything. Autosport Magazine, out every Thursday. We'll also have in-depth reports on the rallies, coverage features, and on Formula One and motorsport, the wider world. So thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.